Welcome to the Restaurant Realty in 10. 10 minutes of uncensored straight talk for restaurant entrepreneurs. Twice weekly, the Restaurant Realty in 10 dives into restaurant operations, facilities, real estate, and investments. Welcome to the Restaurant Realty in 10. This is your host, Michael Caro, and today I'm welcoming Chef Blake Rushing to the program. Chef Blake has been a great friend of mine for many, many years. He studied at Le Cordon Bleu Culinary Academy in Orlando, Florida, and then went across the pond to London's world-famous Savoy Grill, as you know, owned by Gordon Ramsay. And while Chef Blake was there, they earned a Michelin star. And then he went back to New York and helped Gordon Ramsay open his first U.S. restaurant in New York City. After that, Chef Blake came back to Pensacola and opened a phenomenal restaurant called Elise Coastal Dining, where it was nominated as one of the best new restaurants in the country and was also a James Beard Award winner and was featured in Southern Living Magazine for his house cured bacon. Chef Blake, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. Really glad to be here. All right. So listen, on this episode, I really just want to focus on you and your career to maybe inspire young chefs as they are deciding what they want to do in their lives. So I want to take a journey through all the intro that I had said. So going back to however uh, old you are, what inspired you to get into the restaurant business and how did you start your career? Really just enjoyed cooking my grandpa, grandma, dad, mom um, dinners for their for their birthdays and stuff like that. And how uh, old were you when you were doing this? Oh, 13, 14. Okay. And then moved to Gainesville for college and uh, had two years that I just didn't, I don't know, I wasn't really focused. I was having too much fun. And my dad always said, do something you love. You'll find a way to make money at it. So I went to culinary school, excelled, graduated summa cum laude, did great. Got a, a number to uh, Gordon Ramsay Holdings in London and gave it, a, gave it a chance and went over there for a three-month externship. Worked for free, 17 hours a day, five, six days a week. After that, the hold on, of- hold on. I want to hear about so this externship. You go across the pond. You arrive in London. Tell me about you know. Did they meet you there? I mean, I mean, tell so, me. Yeah, how, that was. I want uh, to hear about that little detail. That of the was experience. crazy. I just turned 21. Um, never left the country before in my life. Told my dad I wanted to move to London because it was, it was a really good opportunity. And uh, no, there was no meeting me there. I actually didn't had never heard of an externship. So I told my dad that, and he had, he said, well, I mean, it seems like a great opportunity to start off your career. I'll pay for it because they weren't going to pay me. They were, I had I, I had to ship my knives and chef coats so customs wouldn't stop me at the border for trying to work illegally. <laughs> Anyways, got there, got an apartment, wasn't in a very nice spot. Luckily, some guys I worked with let me uh, live with them after about a week of being there. Um, they ended up being my flatmates for the entire two and a half years I was there. I remember the first day I got there, they said be there at a half seven. So I was there at 6.30, 7.30. And uh, right around two or three o'clock, I was like, all right, when do we go home? Or when, do, like how long do we work? And he goes, now we clean down and get ready for dinner service. We'll be home around midnight or one. And I was like, okay, this is different. <laughs> so it was about- uh, A little bit more than what you bargained for? Oh yeah. I think I lost about 45 pounds. They didn't tell you that in the application? No. <laughs> I think I lost 45 pounds in three months, which I needed to. <laughs> and then uh, at the end of my externship, they invited me back and said they'd pay me. <laughs> get a visa. So I came back. I actually worked at Jackson's for a couple months while I... Uh, Jackson's is the steakhouse in Pensacola. Yeah. Me and Alex McPhail worked there together when he was the head chef there. That was while I was waiting on my visa, about three months. And then I got the, the last flight out of Pensacola before Ivan. It was gone for a year um, over, over the next two years. Over Hurricane to London. Ivan in 2004 is what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Got the last flight out, rerouted my visa to Atlanta and then flew out and was gone for a year. And then from there, you were invited to open Chef Gordon Ramsay's first U.S.-based restaurant in New York. What was that? So, yeah, Gordon always wanted to open a restaurant in New York. If you can't make it in New York, you can't make it anywhere type thing. Um, so we came in with quite a big splash. 
he basically wanted half the chefs from London and half the chefs from America, but I was considered some of the London chefs. So it was 40 and 40. It was 80 chefs to start. 80 chefs in a new restaurant. Yep. And about 40 made it through the first year. <laughs> well, Six now months. that's odd because if were these all chefs that worked in his restaurants? I would say the top two thirds were. Okay. The other ones were kind of other hires and stuff that they hadn't worked there before. I see. So they didn't know his rough work schedule. Oh, uh, they knew. New, York, New Yorkers work hard big okay. time. So they, they knew the rough work schedule, but I mean, it was, it was crazy opening and it was um, a lot of fun. They didn't want to hire too many people. So that first couple months with no dishwashers, when you're doing dishes till two and three in the morning after doing a busy service, that was interesting. <laughs> but um, we all worked. I mean, I think I did 38 days straight with two, three, four hours of sleep a night, maybe. So was uh, Chef Ramsey on site for all of this or did he ebb and flow? Uh, he was in and out. A lot of cameras in and out with him. And um, of course, he did some training. He had uh, Neil Ferguson and uh, Josh Emmett were the, the guys that were running the show. And uh, Josh ended up taking over after Neil left. Gordon has like, I don't know, 30 restaurants now. So he's all over the place. He just puts the, his top people in his top restaurants. He moves them to the next top spot. And this first restaurant in New York also is called the Savoy? It was called uh, Gordon Ramsay at the London Hotel. So the London Hotel is right there on 52nd, I think. And uh, it was a London bar and then the fine dining. So they got two Michelin stars in the fine dining. And then we got, I think, three stars in the, in the, uh, the London bar from New York Times. That's unbelievable. So when he got his first Michelin star while you were in London... Did that change the atmosphere in the restaurant? I mean, obviously everybody's proud of that accomplishment, but but does that change the atmosphere or is it just business as usual? Just fires everybody up more, a little sigh of relief for sure, but it's all about keeping it for the next year. It's yeah. all that matters is that next, the next Michelin guide that comes out. And over in Europe, Michelin's like all, all it is. They don't really pay attention to the, the, there's a lot of other things, but Michelin's the, the way to go in Europe, or okay. the most respected. So you have your New York experience, and at some point you decided, I've been to London, been to New York, had great accomplishments. Now I want to go back to Pensacola. Quick little side trip of about a year uh, to Vancouver. Oh, um, okay. BC? Yeah, BC. Right. Me and the executive sous chef, uh, Dale McKay, went and took over uh, Lumiere, which was our land chateau restaurant in uh, Vancouver. Really amazing spot. Three different 17-course menus, chef's menu, signature menu, vegetarian menu. Um, only about 10 people, eight people in the kitchen. Really tiny, maybe 60 seats. Um, that was really neat. So I was the sous chef there for, uh, for a year, and then it was about time to come home after that. Great. So you come back to Pensacola, you regroup, you go to the beach, do a little bit of surfing. Then you said, you know what, I'm ready to open up another restaurant. Yes. Is that what happened? Pretty much. And is that when Elise Coastal Cuisine was born? It was right around the uh, housing crisis, so it was about a two-year delay on that. Okay. Um, but then after that, we got Elise opened and basically put everything I learned over those couple years together and put whatever my food had become, all the techniques I'd learned, and it was, it was pretty awesome. In about, I think, six to seven months, James Beard, we got nominated for Best New Restaurant in the Country. That's unbelievable. That was really cool. Now, that restaurant was more of a French-styled restaurant. Is that um, correct? We called it kind of like Coastal Cuisine, but it was I'm very classically French-trained. So I had a lot of um, classical French, which is Gordon Ramsay, with modern techniques, and then had some cool West Coast stuff thrown in there. Like, that's kind of got where my like Asian flavors came in. That, and the reason why I said French is that one large cooktop. Oh, yeah. I had never seen one of those before. And then you explained it to me. What exactly is that and what type of food is prepared on it? So it's a French flat top. We, that's all we use over in London and in New York and in Vancouver, actually. And so it's a big, thick piece of metal. And there's about three rings of fire under it. You can about an inch thick piece of metal. And there's the three rings of fire. You can control how much heat's on there. So this huge, like, say, four by four foot metal top that's flat gets hot 
in certain spots are much hotter than others. So you can be cooking something at high heat on the middle or just off the middle, and you can be confeeding something off to the very back end where it's, it's less hot. So you can basically, you have all these different temperatures you can cook with, and you can get 10 or 12 pans on there cooking at different temperatures. So it's all about learning that flat top, learning your stovetop for the night. You, you can just do anything. You can do so, so much faster. So you have to be very skilled on that cooktop to know the hot spots and the and the not right. so hot spots and every one in order different. to and mm-hmm. every one of them is different yeah. so you have to learn that right. specific piece of equipment so joe blow you know home gourmet cook will not be able to have success on that equipment right away it'll take them a little while yeah to, to, to learn. learn those spots yeah gotcha so then from elise you went into you, you started a catering business mm-hmm. you uh, also started one of my favorite tiny restaurants called type yep which my wife hosted a a birthday celebration for me there that you did a great job at so tell us about those two experiences before we get to your current uh restaurant so catering was just something that i'd always liked doing on the side and it's just um we started with just small small little bits actually from lee house with uh, norma we uh started little bits of like doing little five course menus there and then we started off catering and doing catering mainly on on site and then some off site and then it just kind of grew from there we'd like we got one big catering and it paid for all the chafing dishes we got next big catering and paid for the rest of this so we kind of slowly built it piece by piece and then type when that opened in uh inside duh that was kind of like almost like a a weekly pop-up like we've changed the menu almost every week it was a small menu but we could do fine dining in a tiny kitchen with really unique flavors that Pensacola didn't like, wouldn't see that often or change that often. It's more of a kind of a, a bigger city idea because you're, you're looking at a completely different menu every single week and it's whatever we saw was in season, whatever we felt like. Being so small, we could really do whatever we wanted. Then up came Union Public House. <laughs> so let's, let's finish this episode with Union Public House. Tell us about the restaurant, how it came to be, and where you're at today. Patrick Bolster and I got together and went went over the idea of the pub, found we wanted to be a little bit off Palafox, support over by the ballpark and expansion west of Pensacola, and found a really unique little building that, I mean, it's old, but I, I like it. it's old Salvation Army. I like that we put the kitchen right in the center. It made sense at the time because of construction that that's where it was in the first part, and that's kind of the, the restaurant, the heart is in the, of the kitchen, the kitchen's in the heart. Yep. And uh, we just started building little... We basically want to do Southern cuisine and Southern kind of pub with a twist. And so everything was kind of from the menus to the cocktails to the servers, personalities to everything, all the hiring was basically Southern cuisine with a twist and kind of laid back pub, even though we're kind of a little more upscale than just a laid back pub. And that's really the key. You've got a really casual, awesome atmosphere next to the baseball park. You get a lot of pregame, postgame activities. But everything is very approachable. While your cuisine tends to be much more gourmet, it's gourmet that's very approachable. So you have a phenomenal burger, as an example. And your burger, tell us a little bit about your burger, just as an example for the menu. Um, Yeah, so we have a basically red wine braised short rib, cooked down, reduce all the liquid it's cooked in, and then roll it up into this little nice puck that goes in the inside of the burger. So the burger's stuffed with a red wine braised short rib, grilled, and then we have a little cheddar, some fried kale, scallion aioli, sliced tomato, brioche bun from uh, Emerald Coast Bakery, kind of just to bring it all together. And that's uh, just the burger. I mean, you've got all these other dishes, but if you think about it, instead of just taking a hamburger patty, you know, which is still very good, of course, you amplify this product to a way that's unbelievable. And so if anybody makes it to Pensacola, Go visit Union Public House. You won't be disappointed. Chef Blake Rushing, thanks for joining us today at the podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron, Mike. Well, that wraps up another Restaurant Realty Show. Thank you for listening to the Restaurant Realty in 10. If you're interested in restaurants, whether operations, facilities, buying, leasing, or investment, the Restaurant Realty in 10 is for you. Please subscribe to this podcast, and you can also visit therestaurantrealty.com for show notes, topics, and additional information.